welcome to Conscript's Corner. This is a new podcast where we discuss the different elements of Warhammer 40k on the competitive sphere. I will be your conscript with about as much chance of surviving at a tournament as a new guardsman just recently deployed to the field, which will be about four minutes. Our in-house expert, in order to try and help us deal with that issue, though, is Mike. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm good, thanks, Hugh. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. So my first question is, is there any hope for me just to start with, as you've played for me before and know how badly this is likely to end up? <laughs> well, wait, I have been playing tournaments for a little while now. I firmly mid tables. I'm not putting myself forward as any kind of like top tier player, but I do know more around a tournament enough to hopefully guide you to, you know, not last place. So I think you'll be fine, mate. Excellent, excellent. Well, there's our target, everyone. It's to make sure that I don't come last at a tournament that I might enter into at some point in 2025. Who knows? So maybe that's the arc of this series, see how far we can get. So before we crack on with what we're going to talk about today, I suppose I should really say, what have you been getting up to in the world of 40k this week, Mike? Well, this week I have uh, I've put some lovely, lovely Alaris Terminators together for my Adeptus Custodes. Um, more or less smash those out uh, just in preparation for the Psyche Awakening book, which is probably coming in a week or two. And then I've also finished painting an Armaga Warglaive, which Warhammer 40k said was very cool. So I will <laughs> take that as a compliment. That's high praise indeed, isn't it? High praise indeed. Uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a cracking model to look at that. And especially you've now got it confirmed that it's such a good model from Warhammer 40,000 themselves on social yeah. media. <laughs> every right to be smug marvelous no i've just been uh, getting on with a few things trying to make a base for my valkyrie which should be interesting because i had a load of parts of rough riders and now they don't really exist anymore so <laughs> they're going to be featuring on lots of the bases of flyers i think going forward because that's pretty much all they're going to be useful for now and it also <laughs> features a warhammer fantasy orc which i think really shows my age but anyway so we'll try and get that little diorama together over the coming weeks but what i have been working on and gluing some stuff together is some uh, scorpius disintegrators in line with the new admech rules drop which is very exciting isn't it and it's almost as if this is planned because that's what i'm going to ask you about today because i think the competitive army that might be going forward for this uh, potential tournament in the future is with the adeptus mechanica so with the recent rules drops and the new elements of it in engine war what do you think is going to be exciting about admech then what do you like about them to start with mike so admech have always been the faction that's sort of nearly been top tier competitive right throughout the entire eighth edition they've like got a book and been really really good for maybe a month and then something else has come and knocked them off the podium so first time round it was i think knights and then second time round it was space marines as you all know that took over the competitive scene quite a lot and now here we are with engine war which i think probably buffs them up actually towards top of a tier maybe even towards s tier guys but we'll see if ninth changes that again <laughs> poor admech um but the best thing about Admeg, I think, is one, there's just such flexibility, really. They're an extremely powerful shooting army. They've got such a great core of diverse different shooting units can put up weight of fire, put up high damage shots that can just tear through anything in the game. And they've got loads of really interesting little skirmishing elements that can support those. That is really exciting. I mean, I think the Admech do need a little more than what's in their codex, because I, I received the codex a few days ago in readiness to discuss it with you. And uh, my first thought about it was it is very thin, especially <laughs> when you compare it to uh, my guard codex and it will become painfully apparent I'm a guard player through and through as we continue to discuss things more. 
in my surprise, infantry in the Admet can actually kill things as well, because you don't really <laughs> tend to get that with the uh, with the Imperial Guard, as glorious as they are. But yeah, the Codex is very thin, but the units that it has do seem to do a lot of work. I mean, what I really enjoy about them is your basic Skitari Rangers and your basic Skitari Vanguard. They've just got nice little elements. So, for example, with the Rangers, when you uh, roll six plus for this weapon on the hit to wound, they just get AP minus one on that shot. And it's the same th sort of thing for the Vanguard as well, in terms of uh, you can get two damage instead of one when you wound with a six plus so it's those little things that get thrown in isn't it that make it very exciting to play and just add something else to the infantry as well as all the characters being able to be really useful as well i think there's a lot of stuff you can get out of the ad mech isn't there absolutely so i mean the other thing with the ad mech is just how much more flexible really and more durable the infantry are than that you find in the guard for example right so they're still t3 infantry with one wound so like they are going to die to a stiff breeze but they have got a four plus save they have got these weapons if you go rangers that are 30 inch range rather than 24 so they're actually going to be able to stand back a bit further and the vanguard have also got some really nifty little special rules so obviously at much shorter range at 18 inches but then they do get two damage on sixes to wound and they can also if they're in close combat with something make that minus one toughness which is a pretty unique effect you don't really see anywhere else and then they've got a big range of special weapons, which are actually useful, unlike the episode of the Guard Codex. I and don't you know what you mean, Mike. <laughs> well, that's the difference, isn't it? So you've got the basic special weapons in the uh, Skatari can take, and you've got the Plasma Caliber, which is your three-shot Assault 3, 18-inch range Plasma Gun, which you can overcharge and blow yourself up, but is, you know, S8, AP-3, two damage. Actually does some really good work. And you can fit three of those in the squad of 10, which is obviously very, very brutal. Um, and now you've got the new Scorpius, which actually gives you a transport, so you can get them there potentially. And then you've also got, best in the Rangers, you've got the Transuranic Archibus, which is your actual sniper rifle, which is a really good sniper rifle. So it's not like the basic guard sniper where it's S4, you know, and one damage and mortal wounds on sixes. It's strength seven, so even threatened vehicle characters, things like Dreadnoughts. Uh, and it's d3 damage so it's actually you know, knock a couple of wounds off rather than just one so they're genuinely really valuable and a lot of people run uh basic squads of Skatari rangers five mans with two archivists sat at the back to just plink away all game and hold those back objectives no that's what i think really makes the admec a versatile force to play is because the infantry can do a lot of work for you as opposed to just having to sort of move forward hold it and then get killed and then you send in another wave which is uh, my experience of playing infantry but <laughs> so we've got this kind of hardcore that the admec have and can use which is excellent in their original codex which leads us nicely on to engine war and the different units that engine war is giving us to use on the admec field so i suppose what i should say to you is you've had a look at them what do you think they would bring and uh, what do you like about the new units thus far i've got some more specific questions but uh, what what are the kind of vague things you think that will be useful for those units going forward well they're absolutely quality everything in engine war in my opinion is 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 at least usable, if not actually A tier or above. So you've got, obviously, let's just start with the one we all know and love, the Scorpius Disintegrator. It's been out for yes. about a year, but we've actually printed those rules finally. So <laughs> there's a couple of good weapon options on it, but one which sort of fills a gap that you don't uh, fill anywhere else in the Admech is the Belarus Energy Cannon. So you've got a 3D3 S6 minus one, two damage weapon but that can fire out of line of sight. Now, that's such a powerful thing to be able to do, to interact with those units that might be hiding in cover, to just chip away at, say, a little scout squad or an infantry squad that's holding an objective, 
even if you can't see it. When the rest of the army needs direct line of sight to be able to be effective, that little boat of doom being able to chip away is actually really powerful. It means everyone has to come to you and interact with you because you can't just hold back because you'll eventually kill them anyway. And then you've got the other two really good new units, which are the horses and, of course, the bat people, uh, or <laughs> Cerberus Raiders and the uh, Taraxias, we should probably call them. Before we uh, move on to talk about those other units in more detail, I suppose you can uh, help enlighten me and enlighten anyone listening as to why you would go for the Belarus Energy Cannon on the Scorpius Disintegrator over the Ferromite Cannon, for example, because I must confess this was a mistake I made when I was assembling my first one because I had a quick scan over the stats. I thought, oh, the Ferromite Cannon looks excellent. And then I made the mistake of gluing it in place. So I had to uh, make another housing for the Belarus one and magnetize it so I could fit it onto the Disintegrator. But how come you would go for that over the Ferromite Cannon? Because the Ferromite Cannon does look like it has an excellent kind of use as an anti-armor uh, <laughs> weapon on the Scorpius Disintegrator. So why not that as opposed to the Belarus Energy Cannon? So it really just comes down to what role it's going to take in your army, right? So the Belarus Energy Cannon is your indirect one and your Ferromite one is your direct fire option. And the Ferromite is, a, is as you say, a good anti-armor weapon. Strength 8, so it's going to be wounding most armor on 3s or 4s. Minus 3 AP, so if you've not got an inbun save, it'll do some real damage. And flat 3 damage, which as we all know is quite good for killing things. But <laughs> essentially the issue is that whilst it's genuinely a good weapon, and I mean there's no harm in taking them, you will find that there are other weapons in the Admet Codex that do that job better, essentially. So you've got the Dune Strider with the Neutron Laser, which is D3 shots, so similar to the shots, but then S10, AP minus four, and D6 damage, minimum of three, and they're about the same price. So if I really wanted that heavy anti-armor, I'd probably be leaning into those rather than just going for, my dis for the disintegrators. And the disintegrator, as I said before, has got a weapon which you don't really find anywhere else in that codex, if you want to interact with armies that are hiding or just uh, starting that first turn, second turn hiding, and you're playing missions that killing is important for, for example, the ITC missions were kill and kill more. So kill one thing in your turn for a point and kill more than your enemy for, for a point is important. If you're playing in a thing, say, like Marines, where they might hide some scouts out front and have nothing else on the board you can target, you want to be able to interact with those without having to move your entire castle around the edge of a ruin to shoot them. Uh, if you have you know, a unit of mortars set on the back objective, you also want to be able to interact with those without having to, you know, they're going to be chipping away at your army all game without you seeing them. If you can take that off the board, they've got nothing else to interact with your infantry with. If you've got any of those sort of minimum-sized units, you want to be able to interact with those. Um, and even if you're looking at bigger things, the Scorpius Integrator still has got the Disruptor Missile Launcher on it, and it's also got the Cognitive Heavy Stubbers on it. It's going to be able to put out a lot of shots uh, into any target, essentially. And the, that strength bracket of S6, S7, means you're wounding pretty much everything in the game on either 3s, 4s, or 5s. So you're going to be able to put chip damage on things, even if it's not the optimal target. That's never going to have a bad target. Whereas the Ferromite Cannon... If you're against, I don't know, an army that's, say, all infantry, it may not be very useful. Um, mm. 
that these are the things that are worth considering. And I suppose this fits in with the wider arc of thinking about things competitively as opposed to thinking of that weapon looks good. Because I myself will confess as someone with very limited competitive experience in that the way I think about my army needs to change in order to become competitive with it. Because I tend to think about this weapon looks effective at this role and therefore I like it and will take it. Whereas actually it's thinking about all of the weapons you're taking and all the units and kind of having a kind of multi-tool set to be able to deal with the enemy army as opposed to a sort of range of individual items. And it's that kind of, I hate to use this word, but synergy of your force to make sure that you've got that, which is something that I need to be working on personally. And I'm sure people listening to this will be able to do with their own army better than me. But I suppose that's a key element to playing competitively, isn't it? Is thinking about that bigger picture of what can your force do and what is the best thing for that role in your army. Yeah, it's absolutely that. It's making sure that you're not redundancy is really important but you want to have enough of something to do a job not too much otherwise you're going to miss out on other roles essentially you're, trying to sure you're not just taking a collection of good units you're taking things that work well together mm, especially as uh, from previous discussions we've had mike you seem to think that there'll be uh, points increases and stuff going into ninth so there might be fewer well, models on the table and this is going to become very important going forward because uh, you can't necessarily field everything you want to anymore well, even even more so than was the case in 8th edition, I suppose. Yeah, so I mean, 8th for the end of the edition has definitely got to a point where 2,000 points means you've got pretty much all the units you think you might need. <laughs> if it's knocked down the point level, well, obviously we're staying at 2,000 points, things escalate in points to a degree where you're essentially paying a 1,500 to maybe 1,600 point game. You're losing in Admex, say, maybe two or three tanks for that, really. Mm. Or you're losing a couple of units of infantry in a tank. So therefore, you're going to have to make sure you've got something to cover those roles. If you still want to make a take-all-comers list, uh, as in a list that's good against any army that you can pick up and play, then you want to be able to do all the different things, at least somewhat, and then rely on player skill to win. Mm. No, that's a very interesting point. So, speaking of kind of taking units that can do lots of different jobs and have different capacities. I suppose that leads us nicely onto the uh, jewel in the crown, in my opinion, of the Engine War release, which is the Archaeopter, which I think is an excellent looking piece of kit. And also from the stats, look like a very serious enemy to anyone you're playing against on the board. So which variant would you go for? How many, Mike, and why, I suppose, is my question with that. Let's assume that you have all the money in the world to start <laughs> with, which makes makes me very sad about the Archaeopter, as I think it is one of the more expensive flyers outside of Forge World. But it is a good and useful unit, so possibly investing in magnets, I think, is definitely definitely in order so what do you think so we've got the trans vector first that's the transport variant and whilst it's not bad it does only have a transport capacity of six so there's not many units you can really fit inside it Sutari so infantry can go in it but you can't put call inside and you can't put the cataphrons inside so mm -hmm. there's only a very limited range of infantry you really want to transport like that um especially since there's just not many things that are very very killy at six model point from the from the army. You could use it then maybe because it is the cheapest of the options. And all the archaeopters are equipped with the command uplink. So the command uplink lets you for one CP, when it flies up, any enemy units within six inches of it have their aura effects turned off. Now that's a very, very powerful stratagem. One CP and it turns off an aura. So aura effects obviously are things like um, a, a primary lieutenant's ability to reroll ones to wound, a captain's reroll ones to hit, a chapter master's 
four re-rolls. And obviously they could move outside six inches of it on their turn. So the main use for this is going to be as an offensive tactic. It might be something you'd be very, very powerful like using against Taug, for example. Uh, be hard to do, but if you move within six inches of the of the drones and activate the stratagem, the drones can no longer shield for the riptides, and then you can just shoot the riptide to pieces because it's not got its you know inevitable 40 plus cloud of extra wounds. You could use it on any of those sort of defensive auras, maybe minus one to hit auras, maybe uh, minus one to to strength auras, which you see from Tyranids. All those sort of stratagems you could turn off for a turn whilst you blast the hell out of them. So that is a really powerful option. Having it on a very cheap chassis might make some sense. The other option for the Archaeopter, instead of being able to do that, is to take a chaff launcher instead of its command uplink. And that makes it minus one damage and very, very durable. It's kind of a shame you can't put them both in the same unit, really, because yeah, then you have a very durable unit run up and then not die and keep its aura up going. But yeah, it's quite a powerful thing. Also worth bearing in mind if it's being attacked by something like a smash captain, because then they won't be able ones to hit. Um, because that's an aura effect as well. All those sort of things. It, it's not a bad unit, but it just doesn't really do the same as the other two. Um, I suppose this might be, might be part of the wider issue that seems to be occurring within uh, Warhammer 40,000 is a kind of overvaluing potentially of transport capacity in terms of you need to be thinking about what you would be using that for within your army. And I think that is true because the Admech does have a lot of good infantry units, but whether you want to be dropping only six of them on the other side of the board alone, there's going to be limited uh, tactical benefits from that play, I suspect. Yeah, I agree. But... So that takes us nicely onto the other variants of the uh, Archaeopter, doesn't it? You can have, if you can have those uh, different elements with the command uplink, then you've got that on a kind of stronger craft, and that's very exciting, isn't it? Especially if you can cause problems for people's riptides, which have caused me a lot of issues in the past with my guard when it's been difficult to do much about those drones apart from the shoot at them and prey. So. Of the other two variants, then, I suppose if we start with the Stratoraptor, which looks a lot, which looks like it's a lot of fun, what do you think that could be useful for, and how could we use that to uh, slay the enemies of the Imperium? I suppose. So the Stratoraptor is either excellent and extremely undercosted, and they've broken broken a few other units, or there's a misprint. I suspect there's a misprint. I think GW, right? So. The problem is that it's armed with two heavy phosphor blasters, which, you, as you can see in the points values, are currently zero points. Now, they're Excellent. not zero points. They, they should be 15 points, which is what they've cost of the phosphor blast carbine as. And I suspect they've just switched the values by accidents underneath each other. But as at the moment, it is 110 points or 130 points if you add on the chaff launch to make it more durable. At that price, it is an insanely good option. Um, so, you know, a pair of last cannons and then six phosphor blaster shots and a couple of heavy stubbers, you're going to get quite a lot of shots, there, a lot of DACA for not very much cost. And since it can hover, there's a real option there of putting it in a call castle, as we might call it, mm. putting it next to a uh, call who automatically makes everyone reroll all hit rolls and then just having a very, very efficient shooting platform that's hard to remove because it's minus one damage. 130 points of that chaff launcher is extremely cheap. Um, if, as we assume, the heavy phosphor blaster actually costs, you know, 15 points per phosphor blaster, then you're talking 160, which is a more reasonable price. Um, it's not a bad unit still. I can certainly say a use for it, and it's really very manoeuvrable. So 20 to 50 inch move, uh, minus one to hit when you move, which is a bit of a shame. 
Um, but you are still hitting on hitting fours. You've still got a lot of shots. It's quite hard to take down. It'll last most of the game. I think you're paying mainly there for durability. Um, so it is a good unit. I do like it. The fact it's got the manoeuvrable craft uh, ability, so it can pivot up to 90 degrees, move, and then pivot again at some point during that move, means you're not going to have to just fly in squares around the battlefield. You can actually get <laughs> ones. Um, and then there's also the really interesting thing, this is about ninth edition, which is that aircrafts will be able to go off the board and come back on again. Now, if that's the case that you can go off the board one turn and come back on the next, then it should be able to do really interesting strafing run attacks, essentially. Um, and it's even got a stratagem for that for one CP, you do get plus one to hit. Uh, so that <laughs> hitting on fours is then negated, essentially, and sitting on threes. Or if you keep it stationary, hitting on twos, which is obviously very, very good. I think what's also important about this is the person, your opponent, is going to have to make a choice as to how much they want to invest their army shooting into trying to bring it down as well. Because I suspect when you've got something like the Stratoraptor running around the board causing chaos, it's a very attractive option to pour weight of fire into, which might be a waste of their time depending on their experience and their shooting capacity. So that's another element to it. There's a kind of psychological game potentially with this aircraft where the enemy becomes fixated on removing it because they believe it's the thing causing them all the problems. So that could be very fun with the Archaeopter. So how long do you think we have until that uh, mistake in inverted commas is corrected? I personally think that GW just want the Admech to be as strong as possible and they clearly <laughs> love us and that's why this is happening. I will tell you why it's a mistake. And the reason is that um, <laughs> the big robots from the main Admech Codex, they are, are very good and we all know they're very good. And they normally are equipped with twin heavy phosphor blasters here. <laughs> a 30 point per model decrease, which is taken from about 70 points to about 40. That is definitely <laughs> a mistake. And that's the same as a squad of guardsmen. Uh, they clearly have the same utility on the field. I, I don't, don't know what you're talking about there, Mike. I mean, I'd I put a Castellan against the squad of guardsmen any day and see how it comes out. Marvellous, marvellous. So the Stratoraptor looks to be a lot of fun then. Especially the idea of coming in behind someone's army. They're going to have to change a lot how they deploy and think about that. It causes them a lot of headaches with their tactics, I suppose. And this brings us nicely onto, I think, probably my favourite of the three variants, which is the Fusilave. And I'm going to assume that I'm pronouncing that right, to go with the kind of more French pronunciation, possibly, which seems to be a lot of the uh, words in the Admet Codex need to have a kind of lingua franca attached to them. But the Fusilave. I like it because I think the bombs look very fun, and I think that might also be why it's quite useful. But what do you think, Mike? How could we possibly use the fusillade for the Adeptus Mechanicus? Now, you see, I actually agree with you for once, you that the bomb is <laughs> <be> the best. <laughs> um... <laughs> my, so... my idiotic, untrained, untactical mind was going, bombs are fun, and apparently I'm correct. <laughs> There is there has literally never been a bomber that I can think of in 40k history that has been good, and I think this is the closest they've ever come. So I will give you kudos for that. So it's extremely cheap for a start. It's 120 without the uh, chaff launcher, and with the chaff launcher, it's 140. That's pretty good. That's about the same price as the Valkyrie. It's about the same. You know, it's a good good price point. Now. The bomb rack, we'll just read the bomb rack ability because it's it, to make clear what it does. So at the end of your movement phase, the model can drop heavy bombs on one enemy unit and move over in, in the phase. So a maximum of 10d6, roll 3d6 for each vehicle, a monster model in the unit, and 1d6 for each other model in that unit. On each roll of a 4+, plus, it suffers a mortal wound. Now that's actually a decent number of mortal wounds you're going to be getting out of that, honestly. So, you know, if you go over, let's say, 
a unit of centurions. So centurions are a very hard unit to kill, especially, you know, they've got two plus saves. If they're in cover, they're going to be a pain to remove. They're very, very dangerous. We all know that. If you fly over them, you're going to be drop a unit of six, just on a standard unit size. Dropping three or four mortal wounds on them is killing a centurion. That's not bad at all, really. Um, that's 40 points back already if you're 140 you've spent on this model. And again, as you said before, these are quite durable chassis. So if you've put, say, the uh, chaff launcher on this one, it's going to attract a lot of hate because it's, you know, dropping mortal wounds every turn, but not really go anywhere. Ten wounds in minus one damage is actually surprisingly tricky to shift. So I actually really quite like it, especially, again, thinking on about the new rules that are coming in night. That ability to move 20 to 50 inches, come off the board and then come back on again, is going to see you, you know, launch a bombing one each turn you come on. You could even potentially, we don't fully know the rules yet, but maybe you're able to go over a unit, drop a bomb, come off the board and then fly over each turn without really ever having a chance to engage with it. There's some really so decent power there. You're not going to make a lot of friends with the Fusilave, but I suppose that's it's not what competitive gaming is for, is it? It's about pitting the finest minds against each other in a tactical environment. Marvellous. So another thing that really attracts me to the Archaeopter Fusilave is those mortal wounds that it can dish out. Because coming from a guard perspective especially, I've just found that sometimes it's really difficult for me to kind of really put any damage into those more hardcore infantry. For example, your custodies, or I've played against Thousand Sons. It just seems to be I've got a limited range of options in the Imperial Guard to kind of dish out that kind of those mortal wounds to those infantry models which will walk up the board and cause me problems so that's quite nice for this in having something else within the ad mech and it's not on its own either that can really cause those kind of problems for those kind of heavier more heavily armored types of units well it's especially true for things like thousand sons as you mentioned who've got you know their rubric marines who are against one damage weapons can get up to a two plus invulnerable save you're not shifting those anytime soon are you but if you can drop you know if you're generally in a unit of 10 to 20, you're dropping 10 D6 in it. On a four plus, you get a mortal wound. Five mortal wounds a turn or so, that's a pretty decent return. One wound models are going to just disappear off the board a bit. Um, and you've also got the really, really powerful stratagem from the Fusilive, which lets you uh, drop a seismic bomb. And that says essentially for one CP, you select an enemy unit flown over, and that unit is then shaken in your opponent's movement phase. So um, on their next turn, if the unit doesn't have fly and isn't Titanic, you halve its move characteristic and the results of an advanced ch and charge rolls are also halved. So again, against those hard hitting infantry melee units, for example, so a Borgwin for you, or maybe my custodians, uh, the custodians the terminators, or for you know anything essentially just walking and trying to get to an objective or trying to come and kill you, you're gonna be able to slow it down quite dramatically with that. So it's a really very powerful uh, rule. That's very exciting. That's very exciting. So with the Archaeopter and those different variants, it's something that I'm definitely going to have to invest in in the future, though uh, possibly not for a while, depending on how financial situations continue to develop. But that is an excellent unit from Engine War that will definitely be sitting, I think, in lots of different competitive environments. Speaking of which, this would take us nicely back to um the ponies as i keep referring to them or rather i suppose i should say the uh, sulfur hounds and the 
Cerberus Raiders. So what roles do you think they can fulfill on the battlefield going forward? Start with whichever one you prefer, I suppose. It's up to you. I'll start with the Cerberus Silverhounds, because they yeah. are very attractive at first sight, right? They're 17 points a model. They're very cheap um, for what you're getting. And each model's got, you know, two pistols at strength four, minus one in your cover. That's very decent. You know, put a few wounds and whatever you shoot with those. And they also have their Sulfur Breath, which is a D6 Flamer, uh, strength four again minus one ignore cover no one's going to be able to you know hide from you when you're flaming the organization with these little beasts and that's quite decent they've also then got a good melee option with uh, uh clawed limbs and they're going to be you know strength four attacking with those uh so that's three attacks on each model at strength four it's not bad it's going to be able to shift basic infantry very easily put it that way clear out all the screens and then go up whatever else you want to but they are blown out of the water by the Cerberus Raiders, in my opinion. There's no <laughs> point. The Cerberus Raiders are insanely good, and I'll tell you why. So they are 14 points a model, guys, and that is just incredibly cheap in, in, in today's points. So you could take a full unit of nine, for example, and that will only run you 126 points. 126 points is going to get you 27 T3 wounds, which is pretty good to start with. Very good screen. Um with move 12 that can do a move before the game so they can move nine inches up and again block out anything that's coming towards you it doesn't have fly and then the actually really powerful bit is that forget their damage output they've got a stratagem which makes them almost essential for any serious admet gun line in my opinion and i'll just read you what the stratagem does the stratagem is called tactica obliqua and it is two cp so a little bit on the pricey side but Use the stratagem on your opponent's charge phase when a Cerberus Raider unit from your army is chosen as a target of a charge for the first time in the turn. Now, obviously, if they've moved up nine inches and someone's coming towards you with a heavy melee army, they're going to be the closest thing. It's going to be quite hard to get past them, um, especially with any deep striking troops. They're not going to be able to get anywhere near the main gun line. They're going to have to charge these guys. What it says is when they're chosen as a target of a charge for the first time in that turn, instead of firing Overwatch, that unit can move or fall back as if it were your movement phase. That is insane. So <laughs> <laughs> your maximum charge range, guys, really, for most troops, is 12 inches, isn't it, right? And therefore, if these guys, you know, a couple of inches away from the opponents, they're going to come in off a deep strike charge, say nine inches away. They already need a high charge to get in. And then you've literally moved 12 inches back. So now they can't charge you. They yeah. cannot make it in. And none of the opponent's army can make it there at all. Or, even better, the other option is, you can instead, uh, depending on the opponent, move them forwards, so they only get like a one-inch charge, and then they're still stuck in the same position. Both of those options are great. Things like, you know, a charging knight or whatever else are never going to get through them, because you can move them forward nine inches, block off a little bit of terrain, then they get try and charge towards them, you push forward, and again, they can't get through. The stomping feet's killing a maximum of 12 wounds off the, of, you know, it's not a kill them all. You're going to have a few left there next turn. They're going to be stuck there. And they can't fall back over them, guys, because they're cavalry, not infantry, which at knights can't move over. They're just an insanely good unit against things like that. Um, almost anything you're going to have value from these guys. I don't see why you wouldn't, apart from, you know, the, the fact there's three in a box and they're incredibly expensive, um, <laughs> take, you know, 20 of these guys. I mean, like, seriously, they're very good. Excellent. Very, very cheap. I suppose that goes nicely into the kind of psychological element as well in that your opponent's going to be pouring a lot of fire into these potentially if they're right at the front of your army. And so that kind of durability that they've got to an extent and also their ability to move around and harass the enemy 
is an interesting play to do with them, especially if you can kind of cause people to fail charges and stuff like that and just be a real headache. So imagine that teamed with uh, one of the Archaeopters also causing trouble. It's also it's quite a difficult army through which for your opponent to control the board, I suppose, depending on what they're taking as well. Yeah, it's a really useful element that's going to be added on to, you know, you're not going to be the main bulk of your force because they're so cheap, but they are going to be something that protects your gun line for a good couple of turns. And an extra couple of turns shooting from an admec gun line is going to wipe off most opponents, honestly. Excellent, excellent. So you love the Raiders. Do you think there's still a role necessarily for the Sulphur Hounds or less so? Less so, I think, sadly. They are very cool. But, I mean, I think you've got other damage dealers that are better at the job they're sort of doing. They're a good skirmishing unit that will do a few wounds. I mean, there may even be an argument for them in Mars, for example, because of the Wrath of Mars stratagem, which is a stratagem that gives you mortal wounds and sixes to wound. If you've got a lot of them, you're putting out D6 flamer shots, you're going to get a decent number of that. But I mm-hmm. think there are units that do it better in the Codex. Fair enough. Fair enough. How about the Cerberus Raiders' ability to use the Eye of Cerberus to target character units? Do you think that's also going to be useful for them? Oh, or do you think their weapons necessarily aren't going to put put a lot of damage out against the characters you'd want to eliminate? It, it's just gravy. That, that, that is excellent as well. Like Anyone who's played against the Mass Sniper Scout Army will know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a few of those these days with Roman Gar being so good. But you know, if you've got, let's say, a big unit of nine that you're using for screening... Um, they're putting up out 18 sniper shots a turn. Like that's not nothing really. And the fact they're going to mortal wounds on sixes, you expect a few a few mortal wounds to come out. Um, you know, three or four, and then maybe one or two wounds. That will be enough to take out, say, a marine captain that you can see a smash captain coming towards you, or maybe a uh, you know any of those smaller characters which are support characters that don't necessarily want to be fighting but are good at buffing things can really disrupt the enemy's plans. Excellent. Excellent. Something else that I would like to invest in heavily, but don't currently have the capacity to do so. But we'll see. So you're saying a squad of nine is maybe what you want to be fielding if you can uh, stump up the cash for it. Yeah, it's only a hundred pounds for like, you know, hundred points of models. What is wrong with that? <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, we're, we're moving into guard prices again, aren't we? Where you've got to put a lot of outlay of cash. Yeah, it's pushing towards four-door prices that, but here we are. Yeah, still very good looking units. Uh, very you're going to get, get a lot of use out of them on the field, whether it's with your friends or competitively. And speaking of good looking units, that takes us nicely into the Patraxi sterilizers. I, these, when I first saw the Patraxi, I wasn't convinced. But the more I look at them, the more I actually really like them. Now, they've got quite a lot of hate from some people who say that it looks like sort of Da Vinci with lasers. And I don't really see that as being too much of a problem. I quite like the kind of spiky wing vibe the more I look at it. And the bat people, as we referred to them earlier, I don't know, you could have a lot of dark edge with the full Gotham City elements to them as well. But, well, (laughs) Batman with a flamethrower is quite a fun concept, I think. But anyway, so let's start with the sterilizers then. You obviously really enjoy the Cerberus Raiders. Do you like the Patraxi Sterilizers as as much as you do them? And kind of what role do you foresee them being able to fulfil? So the the Teraxi uh, are no, really interesting. Sounds totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's like pterodactyl here. It's like a pterodactyl. It's Teraxi. Oh, yeah, yeah. A, I quite like Patraxi. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the Taraxi sterilizers and the Sky Stalkers are both very good units, I think. Um, and I, I think either of either is good, and both you could field on mass if you really wanted to. They're great units. 
So we've got these sterilizers, and they're the slightly more expensive ones with these flamers, and they're 17 points a model. And you've got to take a taser goad on the on the sergeant or the alpha, as you call it, and um, make them a little bit better in combat, but I mean, it's just tax really that. So these flamers are 12 inch range, which is pretty unusual, and they are deep, a deep striking unit. So you can come in nine inches away from enemies and then use your flamers, which is something that's lacking on a lot of these sort of units. Um, and those flamers, as I say, are Assault D6, Strength 4, AP minus 1, and 1 damage. And again, they ignore cover. A lot of ignore cover in this, really, which could be very good in next edition, depending on how they change cover. Um, I think that's an excellent weapon, right? Like, 17 points for 4 D6 auto hits with minus 1 AP is just very good. We've seen before that Centurions do a similar thing when they've got all their flamers and hurricane bolters on. And that does a lot of damage. I don't see why these would be any different. They're also actually kind of durable with two wounds apiece. So we're not terrible on that score. They're only really points per wound uh, compared to the basic Skitari, three points more a model. That's pretty decent. And for those extra three points, you're getting, as I say, auto-hitting weapons. You're getting the Taraxi Talons, which are actually quite a good melee weapon, um, which are strength five on charge, AP minus one. So again, quite good at killing basic infantry. Anything with a four plus or less save is going to melt to those, really. Um, and then you've got the really very good option to soar away when you want to. So they can redeploy during the battle. They can jump off the battlefield, jump on anywhere they want, nine inches away from enemy models, then do their flame again and charge. That's very good for board control. It's very good for taking out enemy units that are sort of hiding when you, when you can get to them at different angles. Just a really nice unit. And then you've also got, as we said, the Scriptoraxis Skystalkers. And they are similarly effective essentially they're assault five instead of being assault d6 um which is great uh, it will do about, about the same damage lower strength sadly so it's going to probably get a few less wounds in on you know toughness four models but on the other hand it is assault five so you actually have a reliable number of shots so it's a bit of a trade-off mm. um very good as well also a great unit but the reason why these units is good is because of of the wrath of mars strategy which we've mentioned once or twice before already, I think. It just, it's one of the best yeah. One of the best stratagems in the Mars, uh, well, in the Ambat Codex. So Wrath of Mars is very, very powerful. It's very simple what it does. Each wound roll of a six plus causes a mortal wound on enemies. And therefore, any volume five you can do is going to put out a lot of damage with these guys because you're going to put on some mortal wounds as well. So the Taraxi Skystalkers, for example, if you had a big unit of 10, uh, which I think is how I probably run these guys, if you want, if you want the damage output, unit of 10 is going to be putting out 50 st shots of the Skystalkers. They're going to get around 33 hits. And then from that, H6 to wound will be a mortal wound. You're talking about five mortal wounds on average. Um, same for a unit of 10 of the Flamers. They're both doing similar number of mortal wounds damage. Both very good targets for that. And I think they probably therefore displace the Sicarian units from the main codex who could also do the same by infiltrating and then blasting out lots of shots. I think these just do it better because they can deep strike and then they can jump off the board again. It's much more durable because of that. Um, so I really like them. And then you've got two things that actually split these up, though. You've got two unique stratagems, one for each of the different units. Now, one of those stratagems for the Skystalkers, that's really cool. It lets you make a unit minus one to hit for, or until the, your next turn. So target a heavy unit of your choice. Can't do Titanics, unfortunately, but let's say you've got a Lehman Russ battle tank. They can drop down and shoot their 24-inch range guns at. Just by hitting it, you're going to do make it minus one to hit. So you say on fours, so instead of threes, 
that is a 25% cut in damaging output. That's very useful, just just broadly very useful. And as well, being able to chuck five mortal wounds, that's that's pretty good. You can't really ask more than that, more than that can you? Um, the other very good strat tactic is for the sterilizers. Now, they have got a new stratagem called deeply sunk talons. Now, this is maybe less useful in pure admech and more something you might want in a soup, but we'll come back to that later, I guess. But this stratagem, what it does is in your opponent's movement phase, where enemy infantry unit within an inch of the Taraxxus sized uh, sterilizers tries to fall back, you roll a dice and on a two plus, they can't. They're locked <laughs> So if you've got a very powerful melee unit, there are a couple in Admech, but I mean less so perhaps, they're just stuck in combat and then your your sterilizers can't be shot and that unit's then stuck and it's got to fight them again. And again, with the Talons at uh, decent strength, they're going to rip through them if it's basic infantry. Maybe yes. don't try that against the squad of Custodes or Centurions because <laughs> they'll just die. But they're very good in there. There's a nice theme arising here from these new Admech units, which I think this gives you a capacity to really annoy your opponent and just kind of <laughs> con control the board and uh, hinder their ability to change how they want to play it, which I think is very interesting. If you can make your opponent play the game that you want to play, I suppose that's half the battle, as it were, to mix as many metaphors as possible. <laughs> Absolutely. I think the core of the Admet Codex, the good shooting units, are still extremely good and even got better with some of the other stuff we'll talk about in a minute with Engine War. But you've now got all these harassment units, which are really great bolt-ons to do different things uh, and distract them, or essentially stop them playing the game they want to play. Excellent. Excellent. So you're recommending going for the full unit of 10. And of the two then, and now I'm going to pronounce this correctly, because it is a conscripts corner, and I'm always learning, as we know, which is the point <laughs> The point of this endeavour. So the Taraxi Skystalkers or the Taraxi Sterilizers, what do you think would be the better investment to have 10 of if you could only do that? And it's quite good they do come in boxes of five, because fielding 10 is uh, more realistic than fielding, of the, than fielding the cavalry at full strength, unfortunately. I think I would, I would probably go for... If I was only going to get one box, and I only wanted one, I'd get the Sty Stalkers for that really useful strategy for my one to hit. If I want to max up my 10, I'd go for Sterilizers because the output be auto hits, I think. That 12 inch auto hits uh, it just pips it for me with the strength 4 minus 1. Very good damage to them there. Excellent. Excellent. I will bear that in mind next time I come to invest. So I suppose this leads us nicely on to now that we've talked about the new elements that Engine War can bring in terms of the units. We fleetingly discussed before, and I think it's worth going into the kind of different canticles that you'll get with Engine War that will really change the way in which you can play potentially. Because the canticles that you already get in the Admet Codex that kind of give abilities to your units are already quite good. Some of them really are excellent. So what does Engine War add to that? Because that does bring other elements to your Admet Force, doesn't it? Yeah, I think there's two really powerful things that Engine will add on here. So obviously you've got all these new units and they're, they're good. They're really good and you all see them having a time on the table. But the real power that we've had on our Engine War is going to come from these canticles and also from the new Warlord traits you've seen. So canticles of the Omnissiah are a very powerful tool that applies to the entire army. So each turn you can either roll a dice or you can and get a random one of these six different canticles or you can choose one which you've not chosen before. You can only choose to activate each canticle once. Um, there are stratagems that get around that, but then you pay CP for it, etc., etc. Now, some of these 
canticles are excellent. Things like Shroud Psalm, which uh, gives everyone the bonus of cover. Very useful to start the game in Shroud Psalm. So you're, you know, plus one save and all your non-super heavy units. Things like reroll hits uh, of hit rolls of one on Benediction of the Omnissiah. Very good options. Others are, you know, l less applicable widely. Things like Litany of the Electromancer, which roll a d6 for each enemy unit within an inch of affected units. And on a six, they might suffer d3 mortal <laughs> wounds. That's not coming up often, right? Like, there is no Admech army that wants enough models in combat that you're going to activate that enough to make it worthwhile. Yeah, it's not game changing. And if it is, something's gone very wrong. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. So, what Engine War has given us is something really powerful. Now, for each of the original Admech Forge Worlds, so that's uh, Mars, our Lucius, our Riser, etc., you can now take one of those useless ones from the Canticles table, literally of the Electromancer comes to mind, and replace it with a Forge Wall specific one. Now, these are mostly good, some of, but some of them are absolutely outstanding. Like we've got we've got Riser that's kind of fine. We've got Greyer that's kind of fine. You know, Overwatch and hitting on five and six is not nothing. Wouldn't say no to it. But let's start with Lucius. And Lucius is really really powerful because what it does is it improves the invulnerable saver models and the affected units by one to a max of four plus. And why that's so good is how it interacts with some of the models from the Codex and also the uh, Great Detachments from Vigilus Defiant, which was released back in January last year. So in the Codex, you've got the Onega Dreamcaller, which has got a 5 plus invulnerable save for the start. So having it at 4 plus is very powerful defensively, put it that way. And the fact that you could choose that on turn one is going to deny enemy alpha strikes and it's a very good tank, just protect it for a lot longer. The second aspect is that all of the basic government infantry have a six plus invulnerable save. So actually they're going to have a five plus invulnerable save. That makes them all a lot harder to shift in general. So your Skatari are going to be four plus, five plus plus. Your, you know, Cataphrons are going to be five plus plus as well. But we have from Vigilus Defiant got the Servitor Maniple. And the Servitor Maniple was a... Uh, a specialist attachment you could choose at the start of the game, one CP, all the units in that uh, in that attachment are now in that specialist attachment. And the really interesting one from that is a stratagem called Enhanced Bionics, which lets you pick a unit of Servitor Maniple Cataphron Breachers or a unit of Servitor Maniple Cataphron Destroyers, and that unit then has a 5 plus invun save. So that means with the Lucius Canticle, you're then getting them to a 4 plus invun save. You've then got these guys are now a very, very good shooting platform. I've got four plus invun. You can also then give these guys, with one of the new warlord traits you've got in this book, a five plus feel no pain. So then these guys, which were originally just a four plus save and a six plus invun, are now a four plus save, a four plus invun save, and a five plus feel no pain. On three wound infantry, that's going to be very, very powerful. So I think there's probably a real build in there using a nice Lucius base of four plus inbound save guys that are just going to sit there and not die all game. <laughs> there's definitely an option there for that. And, and they're going to keep on shooting blasting them out. Yeah, pouring out a lot of fire from them as well. No, that does sound <laughs> marvellous. So that Lucius stratagem, or rather that Lucius canicle, does look excellent. So what about the other ones? What other ones do you think jump out there to be useful for the Mechanicus? Some of the other ones are okay. So other people have previously used Cataphrons in a similar destructive role 
with that servitor mana pool in Riser. And they've used them um, because Riser's got a stratagem to get three damage plasma cannons, which is obviously very powerful. And if you give them an extra AP, they're then AP minus four plasma cannons. And that's that's obviously very, very dangerous to any vehicles with that inbound save. Um, Grya to Overwatch on five or six is also pretty decent. The other ones are okay. But the real standout from this, and I think this is what takes Admech potentially up towards S tier as an army now, is Mars. And Mars have got something, which I'm going to butcher the name of now, called Panagyric Procession. Now, what that says is that models and affected units do not suffer the penalty for moving and firing heavy weapons. Number one, that's very good. You can then be very mobile with your firebase. But then it says increase the strength characteristic of heavy weapons of models and affected units that are equipped with by one. Now, this means your entire army's heavy weapons are going up in strength by one. And in Abnek, you will probably notice by now, Hugh, there's a lot of strength six, strength seven, and strength eight weapons. It's funny. Um, and therefore, adding one to the strength of those is kind of insane. So Mars have even then got an even better option in that Mars lets you roll two dice for the canticles rather than one. Uh, and then you get to keep both effects. So you've got even, you're even more likely to get Panagyric Procession and have it on for more turns rather than just the one if you've chosen it. And then you've again got the option from having Call, who has come a few times and is just an absolute beast. Call is going to give you the option to adjust those dice up or down by one. So if you have it on a two, um, so if you place Canticle two, that uh, Electromancer rubbish canticle with Panagyric Procession, essentially you're going to be able to have that canticle on 75% of the time because you've got two dice, um, Half of those dice rolls are going to be able to go to Panagyric Procession because ones, twos, and threes can go to that. And you've got two chances of doing it, so it's a 75% chance of having on, on in every, any given turn. That is incredibly powerful. Um, potentially brokenly powerful. And we can talk through some options now as to why that's very, very good. So <clears throat> number one that stood out to me was, going back to those Dune Striders again, we've got the Icarus Array. Now, Hugh, I think you were a bit puzzled when I told you to make them with your your juice drivers with Icarus Race rather than neutron lasers, if I remember rightly. Again, we were coming back to the uh, idiocy that I was experiencing with the Ferromite Cannon, because in my juvenile, youthful ways, <laughs> I looked at the stats and thought, oh, that, that looks much stronger. Why would I go for the Icarus Array? Again, I do tend to play against people who have units with fly, so the Icarus Array does stand out there. But that's not the only reason that you think it's better to go with that build anyway, is it? Definitely not. So, I mean... The point is, if you take them in Mars, you've got Call. He's letting you re-roll all hit rolls. Not failed hit rolls, but all hit rolls. So you're not just re-rolling those ones and twos, which it misses on. You're missing on, you're re-rolling the threes as well, because you can re-roll those, even though it's minus one to hit. Now, re-rolling hits like that means that if you're hitting on fours, you're going to hit actually 75% of the time. So that's better than BS3, actually. It's getting towards what BS2 does. And the Icarus Array has got a large volume of fire, as you can see. So it's got three different profiles. It's got a heavy one Dadalus missile launcher, which is strength seven, AP minus three, D6 damage. It's got the heavy five Gatling rocket launcher, which is strength six, AP minus two, one damage. And the twin Icarus autocannon, which is really the meat of the I think, which is strength seven, minus one, and two damage. And it's four shots. So it's putting out 10 shots for a start, which is a lot of firepower. Um, and most of those are S7 and uh, a few are S6. Now, if you add one to the strength of passive thing, in that the most common profiles in this game are toughness four and toughness seven and toughness eight. Now, 
strength six to strength seven is not as big a buff. It really helps against, you know, toughness seven vehicles, which but nothing much else. That actually is does a 50% damage increase versus toughness seven vehicles. So that's not nothing, but it's not the best bit of this. Going from strength seven to strength eight means you're having a 33% increase in damage output versus T4 and a 50% damage output increase versus T8. And I can't emphasize this enough. With Call, Call's already increasing your damage output by 50%. You've got 100% damage increase from Call and Mars on this gun, um, which takes you from doing not loads, but decent to an actually insane amount of damage. So you're talking through energy drone cores for you know 300 points, now doing 450 points of damage and then doing 600 points of damage. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a, really, <laughs> that's a big increase. Um, three other things, if those those are, are averaging something like 16 wounds to a night in a turn, yeah. which is not bad at all, really. And then you're talking, it will just wipe out Primaris squads at a time, um, even with transhuman physiology on. That's mid middle strength going up to actual high enough strength to double out toughness four and equal out toughness eight is a big difference. That's an absolutely monstrous option. You've then got the rest of the S7 guns in the codex, such as the Iron Strider Ballastari, which we sort of talked about earlier, mate. Fleetingly, um, yeah. Fleetingly, yeah. So the Iron Striders, again, are a very, very cheap platform. That You'll notice this is a theme in Admech. You can actually get a very large amount of stuff for your points. Maybe not for your pounds, but definitely for yes. your points. Yes, that, 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 that's one issue with the Iron Strider, isn't it? <laughs> Unfortunately, with that unit. Yes, but... Yeah. But so 60 points gets you a heavy for autocannon. That's very similar to what we just said about the Dream Crawler. And that's one of the better profiles on the Dream Crawler. So, you know, strength seven, AP minus one, two damage is okay. But there's no negatives to hit with this one. So rerolling to hit with call takes you up to an 88% hit rate. And then plus one strength again makes it strength eight. And strength eight minus one, two damage is pretty good. Now, obviously, the Cognitive Last Cannon is the other option, but it's a lot more expensive, and you'll find points per, per wound caused. It's just not worth it compared to that auto cannon. You're wiping out squads of Primaris, you're wiping out tanks, you're wiping out planes even at that point because of calls rerolls. It's very dangerous. Uh, and I quite like the idea of a nice Iron Strider unit sat in the back with Call and a big bunch. We're even moving up the field slowly because these guys can uh, advance and shoot at minus two. Just going for it, really, with all these now strength eight guns which are probably too cheap for what they do <laughs> it does make a nice big difference doesn't it so you'd go for the auto cannon on that variant then rather than the last cannon definitely it's just volume of fire so i mean the auto cannon itself is just a cheap option isn't it auto cannon is 20 points the last cannon is 40 so you're talking another 20 points on and at that point it's, it balances out it's not as good points per wound and uh, they're also quite tough as you'll note they're toughness six and six wounds apiece in four plus save they're not really going anywhere and i'll tell you one more thing which makes them truly insane is that they've now got a stratagem here which gives them plus one to wound <laughs> so instead of versus t8 originally you're winning on fives you're now going to be winning on fours if they're mars uh, <laughs> they're just very very dangerous little platforms excellent excellent shame i can't afford them but <laughs> we can talk about them in the abstract can't we no that's brilliant so of all the forge worlds then is it mars that is the one you'd go for then it's mars, man, all the way all, it, you can't turn down reroll to hit with you know plus one strength there's also a really interesting overlap here which does bear mentioning in that 
if you take Imperial Knights with your Admech Force, you've got a one CP stratagem from uh, the Admech Codex, which lets you apply your canticles to to a knight of your choice called Knight of the Cop. <laughs> and therefore, if you have, you know, an Imperial Knight that's got its battle cannon and it's got its Gatling cannon, suddenly putting that Gatling cannon to strength seven and that battle cannon to strength nine does a lot more or more work, it turns out. Yes, it does. Funny that. <laughs> yeah, very, very silly. I mean, and if you've got call, obviously you can adjust up and down as necessary. That's a really cool option, I think. Yeah, that's marvellous. That's marvellous. So I think we've covered most of the kind of new units that are coming out and the old faithful units from the Codex itself and the differences that Engine War can make. So looking at kind of Admech as a whole, then I suppose it takes us back to kind of building an army. And I remember a conversation I had with you a few years ago now in terms of making my guard army that much better was bringing in something like Bulgrin to really do the work for me in the centre of the fields, kind of hold people down and do the work there for the guard. In terms of maybe projecting that power, having something like really difficult to shift. I know we've talked about some options before, but what do you think Admech has as an answer to that? Or do you think that it maybe doesn't need to do that if it's got this, this ability to kind of put out that much damage i think it's a bit of both i think it's definitely worth having those options for skirmishing in midfield and as we've said before we've got the cavalry can do it we've now got the mm. bat people that can do it but you've also got some very powerful melee options in the codex and that really takes the form of the priests so the priests um you've got two flavors and the first and most commonly seen is the four-year electro priest right these are in melee strengths five minus two dam uh, ap and d3 damage but each wound roll of a six plus generates d3 mortal wounds as well sorry instead <laughs> of damage so it's going to go through armor quite easily um they're a very nice little unit and sticking 10 of those in one of your uh little boats is probably going to be a decent option i think yeah we have now got a new option with engine war though for the corpuscari electro priests which is really interesting now hugh you all know from our time playing guard that <laughs> the Punisher, uh, the, the, the Lehman Russ Puni Punisher Gatling Cannon is very, very powerful, right? Yes. And that's, uh, you know, doing 40 shots a turn, 24 inches, strength 5, AP non, 1 damage. It's very good at killing hordes, not great versus vehicles or marines necessarily with a 3 plus save or 2 plus in cover. It's okay. A squad of Corpus Cori Electro Priest is very similar, right? So they're BS 3 plus and they're Assault 3. Strength 5, AP minus, AP non, 1 damage. Um, so a unit of 10 is doing 30 shots. They then do have a nice additional rule. For each hit roll of a 6 plus with this weapon, that does 3 hits instead of 1. <laughs> so you're essentially expecting to get maybe another 10 hits out of it, right? So if you're doing 30 shots, you're expecting uh, 20 hits. And then of those 20 hits, a quarter will be 6, so you're expecting maybe 25 hits. What we've now got in Engine War is a stratagem to make them AP minus two. <laughs> and again, it's only one CP. You're going to absolutely tear through any Primaris infantry with that. It's going to be absolutely brutal. Um, that's so brilliant. An option. That's another good option. You've got a lot of skirmishing midfield units that are very good, like short range shooting. Yeah. Um, as I say, the Fulgur Electro Priests are also a very good combat unit uh, that I'll probably add into. Yeah. What I really enjoyed about the Fulgrat Electro Priest is you're probably going to tempt me into purchasing them. Is not only can you run them in units of 20, apparently, which is just excellent, uh, possibly overkill, but definitely a lot of fun, is the Siphoned Vigor. 
and that's if they manage to wipe out an enemy unit in the fight phase their invun save is increased to a three plus for the rest of the battle Absolutely. that's definitely worth having isn't it that's <laughs> well, amazing that's very powerful isn't it right like, you, you know from playing bulgrim right like anything yeah. Is not going anywhere. Even if they're only one wound T3, they're not really going anywhere. And so currently, I'd still want them in tens. I'd probably then chuck them in a boat, a transport, so they don't die before they get their three plus in one save up. Um, they have got a strategy which helps a bit, which is uh, they can fight twice for, mm. for three CP. So then that obviously lets them make sure they kill something. But with the new addition, the changes to reinforcements, if you can bring a unit on you know, mid game from a board edge instead, maybe a unit of 20 might, might get play. It would be very cool if it did. It'd be nice to see, you know, big blob of electro police free smoking, <laughs> stabbing things with electricity. That would be quite cool. That would be very exciting. So there's no point putting six in the Archaeopter transport there, in your opinion. Um, why would you do that? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. The other, though, no, there isn't a good combat option. And the other good combat option is still the Sidonian Dragoons. And again, Oh, these Dragoons are so expensive. Um, not in points, but in pounds. I cannot believe how pricey they are. But... There is definitely an argument for running a big squad of five or six um, mm. with uh, taser lancers. You know, strength eight, eight and minus one, two damage is very good. Uh, and three attacks apiece, it, it's not. It's going to shift things pretty sharpish. Excellent. Excellent. That's very good then. So when I've played against you before with your Imperial Soup Force, it's been very, very capable of causing a lot of trouble for me. You've had a unit that can give a kind of quick punch and cause a lot of damage, and you've used your kind of Blood Angel Smash Captain for that. Do you think there's any equivalent that the Admech has as an answer to that? Or how would you necessarily use the Admech to deal with that problem apart from effective screening, I suppose? <clears throat> yeah, it's an interesting one. I don't know if they have something that's like a smash captain equivalent i don't think they do essentially but what they have instead as i say is maybe priests or maybe the Sonian dragoons something that the opponent has to deal with which is quite tough to deal with essentially i'd make a primarily shooting army style right and the way that they interact with those threats which they can't see is probably through the artillery fire the way they interact with that is probably with the indirect fire from the scorpius disintegrators or it's with these melee units there is of course the option of the forge world drill transport which is another good one because that can already deep strike. Um, so you deep strike, you fill it with 10 priests, you then jump out, you know, your three inches, and yeah. then you. In case your money is burning a hole in your pocket at this point and you just have a need to uh, spend your worldly savings and give up your firstborn child to pay for your. <laughs> but I do think your probably best option for that is probably the priest. But the problem, as you say, of dealing with things like Smash Cabs is really, really helped. Buy your new cavalry unit. That makes a huge difference. The fact you can screen them out from coming down nine inches away from you mm. um, with the move before the game. And the fact that you can then, you know, retreat instead of being charged is going to make a huge difference. They may still get in with a 3d6 charge, but you're not always getting in by any means. Um, I think the new options you've got for screening are very powerful. And again, with the board size changing as it's going to in ninth, Yes. Down to five foot by just under four in four foot, you're going to see that actually deep striking is harder to do for melee things like that. Um, apart from that, if you've got Death Company coming at you or something with a pre-game move, you're still not massively going to be able to avoid that. I am sorry. <laughs> so there's nothing I can do apart from no, trying to be clever with how I put my troops down. Yeah, cleverly put your troops down. Screen out, double layers, you'll be fine. Yes, and with the correct type of horses being fielded, maybe I can just snipe <laughs> these characters off the board later with any hope. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. 
marvelous no i'm particularly looking forward to just picking off enemy characters especially with thousand sons with those uh characters that they have that you can kind of potentially snipe absolutely and i think that goes back to how good the basic troops are right with the transuranic archibus even demon princes are a little bit scared of those it's just seven ap minus one yeah oh, sorry let me correct that with mars with strength eight minus one <laughs> yeah why not let's just make everything better shall we yeah, absolutely. so in terms of going back to a kind of staple of Admech armies then, there's the Catafron Breachers and the Catafron Destroyers. I was just wondering if you had thoughts on that in terms of kind of an old faithful unit as to what you would recommend between the two of them. I think personally I would still go either the... I see, I really like, really like the heavy torsion cannon on the Catafron mm. Breachers. That is a very good anti-vehicle weapon, but if you want a general weapon that's really powerful, you're going to still want to go with the plasma cauldron, right? The plasma cauldron on the Catafron Destroyers is so, so powerful. Um, yeah. They're expensive units, they are. They are a pricey troop unit, but as I say, with Mars making them strength 9, AP minus 3, 2 damage, I, I can't really argue with that. It's too good. As, and I mean, obviously you've got the danger of them killing themselves and ones, but if you sit them there, call to babysit them, you won't lose too many, I'd hope. Um mm. It's a bit of a risk, but it's still very, very powerful. I don't think you can beat that, really. I think as a core, you're probably now wanting Califron Destroyers, as I said before, in the Servitor Manipal with one of your new uh, Warlord traits to give them a 5 plus feel no pain. So then the 5 plus invent save, 5 plus feel no pain. They're not being shifted particularly easily with three wounds per model. Marvellous. Marvellous. Yeah, that could be a lovely blob in the centre, couldn't it? Something like six, six of those. Uh, in the centre of the big firing unit to kill big things, um, backed up with three of your Belarus energy cannons on the disintegrators to deal with things that are on site, and maybe three of those student striders with the Echoes arrays now, all surrounding call, and then surrounded again by a nice, nice line of horses. Excellent. Excellent. A beautiful little Admech castle that's going to be very difficult to get into, and as you say, I'll be putting out a terrifyingly large amount of firepower and so many wounds if you're running it as Mars. Absolutely. I'll tell you the other really concerning thing about it is that <laughs> you've um, you've still only taken up about 1,200 points by doing that. <laughs> so this is the thing: you get this big, nice core, and then you're like, right, and now I'll take these nice uh, skirmishing units. I'll take some priests in a boat. I'll take some of the Taraxi to the Skystalker so that you minus one to hit. I'll take some, you know, Flamers to come down and burn you off these objectives. Lots of other options to go and make sure that uh, you can fight in all phases of the game, really. That's very exciting. That's very exciting going forward. So then, I suppose that brings us back to the questions at the beginning then. And I think you've done an excellent job of persuading me that Admech has a very good shout of doing well competitively. And I suppose that's something very exciting to think about Admech going forward is what do you think they'll be able to do on that scene? Well, there's no meta right now, put it that way. Meta, of course, being what people are playing, it sort of died, didn't it, with the, with the current events. But before yeah. that happened, there are a few really dominant builds, right? There was uh, the new Iron Hands infantry build, which is sort of a big blob of intercessors, which are, you know, two wounds and toughness four, with a five plus invent save and five plus feel no pain. As we said before, that's very, very good and very durable. Take it middle of the board with some indirect fire shooting. You've seen some very powerful builds from Blood Angels recently uh, and play, play a few placings. You occasionally see, you know, the normal triple knight list and you still get the occasional elder list with uh, all their planes or with uh, horrendous units of shining spheres going up the central table with two plus in one <laughs> now 
Where would I put Admech in this now? I genuinely think you're going up towards those tiers. Previously, there were maybe a solid B tier type codex uh, on par with the likes of God, but now I think they're probably playing with the big boys uh, and they're, they're really up there at A plus, maybe S2. Um, there's just such a powerful core of shooting there, which can you know, remove things every turn. Um, they've got tools to interpret things out of my sight. They've got tools to reduce the opponent's ability to interact with you. Things like Fusilar to halve people's uh, movement to charge distances. Things like, uh, things like to say, the Taraxi to try and make you minus a hit. I think they're going to be pushing those numbers, actually. Excellent. And dealing with fly units as well, which I think have been in the thorn in the side of lots of competitive players, is especially with guard as an example, if you're taking <coughs> units to try and stop the fly units, then you're kind of losing points and putting them into an area that's not useful in other areas. But with that Icarus array, especially with all the buffs that we've been talking about, it's going to have a massive effect. It's not a problem. Fly is just not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> the army just eats through any players, honestly. Um, and- both Elder Flyers and anything else with like you were like, I don't know, the ubiquitous Claudius the Tank or the Pulsar Executioner. Going to strength eight with Admech uh, with Mars Canticle is going to be a big deal there. Excellent. Excellent. Well, this is all very exciting and it will be very interesting to see what the Adeptus Mechanicum can do going forward in different spheres when and if the competitive scene eventually resumes. But we'll see if you and I can have a game at some stage, Mike, to uh, test out all of these ideas that we've come across. I suppose yeah. going forward, you and I can have a chat about the different elements that will be changing for different armies to get this conscript ready to face other armies as well as knowing how his own works, which would be quite nice. What are you looking forward to in terms of other releases and other changes to 40k in the immediate future? Everything, man. Like, so it's a very <laughs> so Obviously, Engine Wars buffed a couple of other armies too. Chaos Knights, Knights, and Chaos Demons. They've got some really interesting things in their book. And we've still got another two Psychic Awakening books to come that are coming very soon, one imagines, since they're trying to rush them out before night launches. We've got Custodies coming out, which are one of my favourite armies. Uh, we've got some really interesting buffs for chaos with uh, fabius bile and his guys and we also of course got the necrons on the horizon which are getting a huge range refresh which is going to be very big and then we've got ninth edition which is going to change up this game quite dramatically i'm super pleased to see the missions changing to a more competitive format uh, the changing board size should help some of my favorite melee armies which would be nice um and yeah i think it's really positive for the game we're into a really interesting uh, time Purely selfishly, the change in board size is very distressing for me as a guard player with four basilisks and a manticore, but I'm aware that I'm probably in the wrong here in that I want a board to be at least 20 feet long. (laughs) Marvellous. Well, going forward, I'm looking forward to discussing all those different changes with you, but I think we've done a fairly comprehensive look at what Admech used to be able to do, can do now, and will do going forward with these new units, which is very exciting. So I suppose it leaves it to us now to say goodbye from Mike. That's bye from me. And a goodbye from me. Thank you for listening. See you soon.